This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmond.edu. Sadie Robertson Huff, welcome to Viral Jesus. All these good things happen and people saw these good things, but on the back end, I'm dealing with postpartum. I'm dealing with like extreme anxiety. I am feeling totally overwhelmed at the point of feeling like I'm about to burn out. Like I'm about to be like, tap out, see a world. Like I'm gonna be hiding for a year, but everyone else is seeing this huge year. From Christianity Today, this is Viral Jesus, a show about communication and the power of social connections, where we talk to some of the most influential Christian content creators to find out how they've made their faith go viral. I'm your host, Heather Thompson Day. According to a Bloomberg article, no less than 86% of people are willing to try out influencing. And in a study from the Morning Consult in a survey of 2013 to 38 year olds, they trust influencers more than celebrities and athletes and more than half have made purchases based on the recommendations of someone in their feed. Our guest today is someone who knows a lot about what it feels like to be trusted by thousands and thousands and thousands of her followers, Sadie Robertson Huff. Sadie Robertson Huff is a speaker and best-selling author. You may know her from the reality show Duck Dynasty or her role in the movie God's Not Dead or the fact that she came in first runner-up on Dancing with the Stars. She has a new book that I am super excited about. She's the perfect person to talk to on Viral Jesus. It's called Who Are You Following? Pursuing Jesus in a Social Media Obsessed World. So I like to open every conversation with somebody by reading to them back something that they posted either on Twitter or on Instagram. I do a bit of stalking, a bit of social (laughs) media stalking. And for you, this is what I have. This is from your Instagram. I'm just going to read part of it. You say this. People have this assumption that as a speaker, you just automatically are confident to go up on the stage and speak. To be honest, that's not true at all. I am so nervous that in just a few days, I will stand up in front of 50,000 plus college students. I am almost always shaking before I walk up on stage. I have even thrown up moments before I had to walk out and would be totally lying if I said I haven't cried a few tears just out of feeling overwhelmed. But you know what? It's not about me. And that's why I can get up there. I am desperate for God to do what only He can do. It's a perfect backdrop. Your book is a perfect backdrop to our entire conversation. Um, And I thought that that post was a good backdrop because a lot of people will see the Sadie Robertson Hoff with 4.7 million followers on Instagram and not necessarily always see the person. So can you tell us a little bit about the Sadie who still gets nervous and the Sadie who doesn't have it all figured out and the Sadie who wrote a post like this one? 
I totally can tell you about that version of me because that is so me. Um, that has been a story of my life since, gosh, since I started um, speaking or since I started uh, doing things for God that was more public. Honestly, even back to the first time I even got asked to speak on a tour, it was the Winter Jam tour, and I was so nervous about it that I said no. I was like, no way. Thanks for the kind <laughs> offer. Not going to do that. I pass. And my mom was like, are you kidding? No, you're doing that. And at the time I was 17. So my mom could tell me, no, you're doing that. I'm putting you (laughs) on that bus. You're going to, you're going to do that because God put something in you and that's a special opportunity. You're not going to pass up. And I was so nervous. I'm so mad at her. And the first seven days of that tour, seven out of 10 days, I pretty much uh, flopped. I pretty much. Perfect number, by the way, seven. Yes, I know, right? Right? The completion uh, of my nerves. So I would go up there and I would just get so nervous and I just wouldn't um, step out into all that God was calling me to do. I honestly just kind of hid behind the shadow of my family, talked a lot about Duck Dynasty, didn't talk about my own life, didn't talk about um, Jesus and my testimony. I really just talked about my family's TV show because that's really what I was asked to go on this tour to do. It wasn't necessarily to speak or preach. It was really just to talk about my family's TV show. That was a hit show back in the day. And so that's what I did. And then one night, you know, I actually, I was going up after the song. Um, someone was performing, There is Power in the Name of Jesus. And I remember feeling so convicted that I'm singing this song every single night beside the stage. And then I'm not believing that there's power mm. in the name of Jesus. I'm not believing that that power actually can be stronger than my fear. And so um, after that conviction and a series of other events that happened the next day, um, I asked the guy who leads Winter Jam, I said, look, I know there is literally no reason for you to trust me to do this because I've been a nervous wreck every night. But can I go up there and share my my heart, my testimony? Wow. And I did. And that kind of launched me into doing everything I'm doing now. And that was years ago. But just because that launched me into doing what I'm doing and now I'm speaking and writing and doing all those things, that doesn't mean that that girl who gets nervous is not still there. You know, I still get nervous. I still shake. I still, like I said, even throw up sometimes before I speak (laughs) just out of pure nerves. And I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. There's a part of me that doesn't ever want that to leave because um, it just keeps me dependent on the Spirit of God. It keeps me dependent on what God can do. And it reminds me that I care so much um, that I don't want to go up there and flop whenever I feel like there's something that God's given me to say. I don't want to go up there and, you know, make little of what God is doing. And so um, there's a part of me that loves it. And of course, there's a part of me that hates it. And I wish I could just be so confident and do it. But I love that it keeps me dependent on Jesus. You've released a new book. Congratulations. Who are you following pursuing Jesus in a social media obsessed world? Tell us about that book. What inspired you to write it? Yes, my new book, Who Are You Following? It's out and I'm so pumped that it's finally out. I wrote that book because, you know, I really felt like we need a guide, like a biblical guide on how to approach social media. I feel like social media, um, honestly, I love social media. I think it's great. I think it can be used for such great things, but you also cannot deny or ignore the fact that social media has a lot of negative effects on us as a generation. Um, And a lot of times we use it in a pretty toxic way. And so I wanted to write a book really diving into some biblical principles that we can apply to social media and how what's crazy is Jesus literally 
literally said to his disciples, each person that he'd call out to, he would say, follow me. And I thought, how ironic that Jesus asked people to follow him. And here we are 2,000 years later Mm. asking people to follow us on social media. And there's just this interesting tie with that. And then I thought, you know, there's so many things um, that we are seeking to find through social media that we really can only find through Jesus because social media has kind of become this modern day idol, right? It's yeah. like we're seeking this uh, human affirmation and validation. We're seeking this likes. We're seeking fame. We're seeking a blue check. We're seeking a community. And we're seeking all these things to help us feel loved and accepted and celebrated and all these things. But genuinely, um, you can't find that there. It'll always come up short. You won't be fully satisfied um, by however many followers you get or however many likes you get because guess what? The algorithm will change tomorrow. But you have to find that contentment in a God who doesn't change and a God who's the same yesterday and today and forever. And so um, that's why I wrote the book. I wanted to help, you know, people navigate through the struggles and the winds of social media. And I feel like social media is so interesting because as a younger generation, leading the charge of something is really unique. Um, There's not many things in our life that we can't pick up the phone and call a mentor and ask how they handled the thing that they, you know, Mm. that we're going through when they were younger. We can ask, hey, how'd you navigate that when you were 18, when you were 20? Um, But social media is different. You don't call a 65-year-old and say, hey, when you were in high school, how'd you handle uh, the effects of social media? How did you handle getting canceled online or, you know, not being as big of a platform as you thought because they didn't go through that, you know? And so as a young generation leading, um, just because we're leading doesn't mean we're wise in how we're leading. And I think we needed some of that wisdom. And I'm not saying I had the answer to that, but I did want to start a conversation and I did want to bring in some biblical truths that I found. How have you handled it? I think you're super likable. I, I, I don't scroll through all your comments. I wouldn't assume that you have tons of hate comments or bashing, but maybe you get some just because the 4.7 million people is going to bring that. When <laughs> that does happen, have you ever read a comment and felt hurt? Oh, totally. Okay. I mean, there's there's many times I've read comments and been hurt by them. I actually still remember the very first negative comment I ever got. And that just shows like how significant, you uh. know, people's words can be. And it was really, it's, it's funny now, but um, whenever I was young, you know, I was what, 14, I guess, whenever um, I got famous, if you will. So I've been in this for 10 years now. And so I've gotten to the point where I'm pretty used to it. But when I was 14, you know, I'm a freshman in high school going to my freshman year. And I remember I had Twitter. So I guess I must have been probably 15 by the time my mom even allowed me to get Twitter. And um, <laughs> I remember, uh, you know, just now getting famous. Most things were so kind. And then someone commented and said, at Legit City Rob, you look like a man. <laughs> and I know that sounds so silly. But when you're 15, when someone tells you you look like Horrible. a man, that really that yeah. really hurts, you know? So I do remember that first hate comment. And then, of course, thousands have come since. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and you, you either get torn down by it or you grow in your own heart and your confidence and don't let those things hurt you. But I think for me, and I talk about this in the book, is – 
you know, it's really hard to guard your heart on social media, but just because it's hard doesn't mean that it's not necessary. And Mm. I think sometimes we just are subject to the things that happen online and we're just like, oh, like that hurts or that stinks or whatever. And we let what someone says tear us down or we let um, the way that the algorithm went one day make us feel unworthy or unlikable or whatever it is. But you have to guard your heart. You know, you have to be confident in who you are um, enough to know that even if someone doesn't like me, that doesn't make me an unlikable person. And even if someone unfollows me, that doesn't mean that what I'm saying isn't worth listening to and not letting these few people dictate um, the weather of your whole life, you know? As you're watching people online, especially right now in this age of um, cancel culture, what do you think is like the balance? Maybe you talk about this in the book, the balance of accountability and cancel culture, bullying, where everybody just turns on you. What, what do you think that looks like or should like, like yeah. as a community collective online? Totally. I did talk about this in the book that there is a balance because um, I said to some degree, cancel culture, if we're going to look for the positive, because I'm always a glass-possible <laughs> person, I'm always a silver lining. I'm like, okay, we're going to look at the positive. At least it keeps people accountable. And right. at least it does allow us to think a little bit longer before we speak or before we post something. That's pretty much the only silver lining. Um, I think cancel culture is destructive. I think it is um, opposite of the way that we are called to live. I think it's an opposite example of the way that Christ sets for us to live because um, the life of Jesus, the gospel message is a gospel of saying, you're never too far gone. You've never done anything so wrong that you're not loved by God. You've never done anything so wrong that you can't turn and do a total 180 and become a new person. You're never too far gone in your old self to become a full new self. You're never too dead to come back to life. Mm-hmm. And that message is so hope-filled. It's so inspiring. It's so beautiful. And then we as the church, as a representation of who God is, as people who should love like Jesus— going online and bashing people and canceling them and never giving them another chance and never even letting them explain what they meant. Like that's destructive. That's not right. helpful. That's that um, is tearing people down. That's not giving them a hope for the future. And I, I think it, I think it's wrong. I think, you know, um, there is something to calling people out, but there's a whole other thing with canceling them. And it's a beautiful thing to call someone out and uh, make them step into a better version of themselves, call them to be a better version. But canceling someone really doesn't help anyone. You know, it doesn't give that person another chance. And it really brings a lot of hate in your own heart. So what would you say to somebody who's trying to figure out, I'm a Christian and I have these things I want to post online. And maybe it's about Christ, but maybe it's just about whatever artistic thing that they have. How would you tell them to start navigating the online space? What advice would you give to somebody about just community building online? Yeah. To be honest, my my best advice for how to navigate talking about Jesus online and, you know, going for it in your faith online is just to live, like just to go for it, just to breathe. I think so many times they put so much pressure behind our post. It's like, oh, well, we have to do it at this time of the day, or it has to be um, this format, or we need to put this many emojis, or, you know, whatever it is, or we can't say too much about Jesus, because then we lose our followers. Like, and to be honest, like all of that just creates such a pressure environment. And I don't even know that it works. You know, I think for me, (laughs) um, there have been times that I've tried to do it the right way. And I feel like I even get less engagement in that. And then I've done it times where I've been fully me, 
exactly what I wanted to say when I wanted to say it. And that's the times that I get the most response, you know, because I think those are the times where people see a heart, you know, they actually not just a double tap heart, like they see your heart, you know, they um, are getting behind a message that you're saying. And um, I will say, um, I've heard so many girls say, Zadie, I wish I could, um, you know, talk about Jesus, but I'll lose followers. And I'm like, friend, like, okay, first of all, he's worth losing the followers for it. But second of all, I mean, I talk about Jesus all the time, right? all the time. And I've grown to 4 million followers. And I'm not saying that, you know, everybody needs to have 4 million followers. I'm not saying that that's the only reason why. But I am saying um, since I went full on in ministry, full on in faith, I've gained like 3 million followers. And so the church is alive. The church Mm. wants to hear. The church will get behind you. But I think that people have to see something worth getting behind. And I think because we play this one foot in, one foot out message, nobody knows how to get behind that. But when you go fully in the world or fully for Christ, people get behind it. Actually, so this brings about a whole other conversation I want to have with you. You might be the perfect person to talk about this with. What there's like all this controversy right now in the church about how do we move forward in the age of online in the age of TikTok Christianity and all that stuff? What do you think? Do we use social media as a church or should the goal be to get people to only want to experience God in physical church structures? I totally think you use social media as a church. I agree with you. 100%. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like, I think if we don't see that, we're missing it. We're missing this huge opportunity. I love the words of Jesus in Matthew when he says, you're a city on a hill. So you Mm -hmm. don't light a lamp and put it under a sand. You put it on top of the sand so that it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine so that it glorifies your Father in heaven. I think social media is a great example of that verse. We're not all these lights around the world to be off social media, you know, because it's a dark space. We're lights of the world to be in that dark space, to be a city on a hill. It's amazing how many people have genuinely have life change moments because they saw a sermon that they watched online or they read a post that led them to reading the Bible or they never heard uh, worship songs before, but they followed someone who was a worship leader. Like, like we're getting people tools to get into church. And I, I believe yeah. that social media is a way to bridge the gap. It's a way to bridge the gap from the people who won't walk in the church building to the people who are on fire for the kingdom. It's a place where we all exist together. And maybe that person will walk into church because they felt this love and they've seen this um, thing of Jesus online. I, I had a comment yesterday. I was talking on Instagram Live and I was preaching and this person said, I'm loving what she's saying. I feel like I'm missing something. I've never heard something like this before and I want to know more about it. So this person's not a believer. They're like, what am I missing that she has it? Yeah. I don't have? Like what an incredible way to bridge the gap. What an incredible way to bring this girl to the Lord. I've had DMs with people um, who were literally about to commit suicide that have led to Christ through DMs. I mean, The church, we have to see that, you know? And back to what I was saying earlier about losing followers. I just want to make it clear. I do lose followers too. Everybody Mm. loses followers. That's a part of it. If you look at my Instagram today, I bet you I gained 8,000 followers and I probably lost 6,000. That's pretty much what it looks like every day. I gain a lot and I lose a lot. Some people look at my page and they say, I want to follow this girl. And then a whole bunch of other people say, I want to unfollow her, you know? And somehow it keeps growing. And I can't let that 
bother me. You know, I can't let that stop me and look at each post and say, oh, well, when I talked about this, then I lost that. You know, I I just have to go with what I feel like the Spirit's leading me to do. And I think if we put intention behind what we're posting and we actually let the Spirit use what we're posting for the glory of God, man, I think the church could do take some ground. I mean, it's a place you can reach people globally. You know, that's pretty cool. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At Bow, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. Actually, so before you post, is there more, you said you started with like 1 million. How does the posting change? Or or maybe it doesn't. Is there more responsibility? Are there people that you send something to where you're like, Mm -hmm. is this too far? Should I say this? But you feel something and and then maybe somebody says, "Ah, I don't think you should do it. Like, what does the responsibility look like when your social media platform is that large? Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah, you know, honestly, I feel like I had my own conviction in my social media um, years ago. And this is when I kind of took a turn. It was like, hey, I'm going to use this for like something bigger than myself. So um, have you ever heard of chat books? It's like the monthly subscription and they send you a book of like all your Instagram pictures, um, which is a no. pretty cool concept. Yeah. So one year for Christmas, I really wanted chat books. So my mom got me chat books and I was so embarrassed because my chat books of the year, all of them were selfies. I was just so embarrassed. <laughs> it was like, it was like 12 books of just me <laughs> on the cover. And I was just like, that is horribly embarrassing. And, and I mean, you could tell I was feeling myself. I was thinking I was looking <laughs> cute. I was trying to get some likes on the gram. And I just remember being like, this is not what this is for. Surely I did something bigger than myself this year. And to be honest, <laughs> when I look back, I mean, that is what I posted. And it even, you know, sometimes puts the caption, but sometimes it doesn't even put the caption in the picture. It's just a picture. And I wanted my life to be more than that. I wanted it to be mm. more than about me. I didn't want to grow my platform. I wanted to grow his kingdom. And so I was like, how how does my posting have to change? Now, that doesn't mean I still don't post pictures of myself. There definitely 
I posted three this week of me holding my book, you know, um, because <laughs> I believe in that message. It's okay to post pictures of yourself, but but what's your intention behind it? Put some yeah. purpose behind it. That doesn't mean every post has to be a novel, um, but but some will and some should, you know, some should have meaning behind them. I try to post a lot with friends. To be honest, when I post pictures with friends, it gets less likes. Um, it's just a thing. When I post pictures or selfies of myself, it gets more likes. If I, you know, I know that that is the truth. However, that doesn't stop me from sharing yeah. what I love to share, what I feel like is a good example to share. And so you can't let, you know, the um, algorithm of Instagram let you stop you from sharing the things that you know is done with intention. And as far as me using wisdom and discernment on what to post, I, I probably, if I'm ever going to post like a long caption that has a message behind it, I'll send it to my mom. I'll read it to Christian, my husband. Um, there's always one person I'll read it to and just say like, hey, does this sound good? Am I getting the message across? Uh, is this too far? You know, and uh, that's always really helped me. Even my books, like I'll do a rough draft and then I'll send it to my mom even before I send it to the editor. Just, hey, this is my own track here, you know? And I think that there is wisdom um, to really stewarding well the following that you have and making sure that you are putting stuff out there that reflects your heart the way that your family or your friends know your heart is, you know, trying to be reflected. I would say, so I'm a professor. I teach communication and social media and my students love you. You are so big with college students. So I would say you are absolutely on track to making a difference in the kingdom. What would you say was your lowest point? Has there been actually even in the midst of all of this, right? That everybody would look at you and just say, wow, God has told, clearly had an anointing on your life. Even in the midst of that anointing, has there been really, really low points where you question it. Totally. Yeah, my gosh. And first of all, your job sounds like the coolest ever. And I want to learn from you. <laughs> I feel like I need to take a, a course from you. Uh, but yeah, no, there have totally been some really low moments. Um, in fact, just this last year, um, probably from social media, everyone saw like all the highlights, you know, and I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing that we share the highlights. I think right. that is a part of what it's intended to do. You, you don't, you naturally share good things in your life. You know, it's almost unnatural to, to share something that is just horrible. You know, that's something you talk about with your family. I think that there is something <laughs> to also sharing some of that. So you give people a window in. But last year, of course, there's things that I'm just not going to post because it's not for everyone to see. But I'll say now coming on the other side of it, um, you know, I had Honey last year, my daughter, and it was amazing. Um, and then my sister got married three weeks later. And then we ended up having a big transition in work. And I ended up having to hire a lot more people um, for LO, uh, my ministry, which was amazing. Um, and all these good things happened and people saw these good things. But on the back end, I'm dealing with postpartum. I'm dealing with mm. like extreme anxiety. I am feeling totally overwhelmed at the point of feeling like I'm about to burn out. Like I'm about to be like, right. tap out, see a world. Like I'm going to be <laughs> hiding for a year, you know? Um, but everyone else is seeing this huge year. And, you know, I think that in those moments, um, there are definitely times I'll delete social media and come back on after I get healthy. But honestly, last year was like a time of seeking like, um, 
advice and wisdom and love from my friends and my family. And I didn't need to find that online. And one of my principles for social media is I'm not ever going to post something because I need something from my following. Like, I don't want to come to social media like needing their um, words, needing their comments, needing their likes, needing their attention, um, needing that community. I want to come on social media um, from like an overflow perspective, even if it's a bad thing or a hard thing I'm walking through, more of like a testimonial perspective. Um, and so I feel like last year, because I was at this vulnerable place where I really needed people in my life, I took this more to like my mentors and my mom and right. my husband and my my friends, you know. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think I posted about this online a few months ago about how I think that we have to stop wanting people to post their bad moments so that we can feel better about ourselves. Because I think it's like one of those things where people are like, I feel so insecure because you don't post your bad things. And it's like, well, just because you feel insecure doesn't mean I, out of an unhealthy place in my heart, need to come share everything that I'm going through um, so that you can feel better and I feel worse, you know? Right. I think we all have to work on our hearts and guard our hearts well enough to know that, man, if I'm not posting something that's not out of the intent that I want you to think my life's perfect, that's out of the place that I'm unhealthy and I need to walk through that with my family and not with four million people who don't know me, you know? (laughs) They think that they know me, and they do in some degree, and I love that, but they don't know me, you know? Right. So what would you say, because I think this is a big thing. I say this to my students all the time. It used to be, I think, therefore I am. And today, Mm -hmm. it's I share, therefore I am. I feel most alive when I am sharing. And so there is this compulsion of people sharing things that you probably wouldn't usually share. I say to my students, if you wouldn't post it in like your office cooler room, you shouldn't post mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. So what would you say just to people who maybe are are doing some oversharing? And, and, and so I don't want to get into it because I think sometimes people just need to feel seen in any which way, right? Yes, but what totally. would you say to somebody who is in an unhealthy space and is yeah. feeling the need to post it online? Is there any advice, big sister advice you'd give? Yeah, that's great. I mean, I will say I get it. I get that desire to to want to post it, to feel seen, to get that immediate yeah. um, affection back. And and that is a beautiful aspect of online that you do have this community who is um, willing to be there for you in these hard times and give you encouragement. And that's not a bad thing. That's a beautiful thing. But also, you have to understand that there still is this barrier with a screen in between y'all, you know? And I talk about this in the book. You can be seen by a lot of people, but known by none of them. Um, And I was at a point in my life at one point, whenever um, I was right after Dance with the Stars, I had a million million followers overnight. And um, I was seen by all these people. But I was so lonely because I knew none of them knew me. And because I was going through certain things in my life, I was like, man, but if they knew me, they wouldn't like me. If they knew me, they wouldn't Mm. follow me because I was in an unhealthy relationship at the time, unhealthy uh, dating relationship that was uh, just not good. And online, people thought we were goals and all this stuff. And I just felt like if they knew then they wouldn't follow me, they wouldn't like me. Mm. And because I knew none of them knew me, I felt lonely. I felt unloved. I felt I didn't even feel 
like you said earlier, you're so likable. I didn't even feel likable because I was like, this is You isn't are real, so likable. You know? Don't you say I know, that. <laughs> I know. At the time, at the time, I was like, oh, this isn't real, you know? And living in that space doesn't actually give you what you want. And so I think even if you're in that space where you're like, oh, well, I'm going to bring this online because all of these people love me. Even at the end of the day, if all these people respond, but you don't have a friend to go sit with on the couch or you don't yeah. have you know, a family member to call or you don't have a mentor to go to coffee with, you're still going to feel that feeling of loneliness. And I don't say that to make you feel sad. I say that to encourage you to build a real life community. And building a community is hard. I totally have all the empathy in the world for you friend out there who's listening, who has to go build a community. But building in any sense is hard. If you're going to build a house, it's hard. It takes intentional work, but it's always worth it. At the end of the day, you know, you'll have a house. At the end of the day, you'll have a friend. And so maybe you don't have a friend right now. Seek one out. Maybe you don't have a mentor right now. Seek one out. Maybe it's just going to church and getting plugged in because having one person you can share that big thing with before you post it to the 1,000 people online will make you feel more loved than the 1,000 people can because you'll know this person actually knows me and they actually love me. And that's the power behind being loved is that you're actually known. You see, that's the thing social media can't really give you in fullness. It can give you a sense of it. It can give you a hit of it, but it can't give you the fullness of it. And so my big sister advice would be build a community. That community can be one person, but one person you share your stuff with before you share it online. It's not a bad thing to share it online. It's not a bad thing to post it, but make sure it's said first with a friend. I have to tell you, I liked you before. I absolutely adore you. Love you now. You (laughs) are the real deal. And I want to say this too. It's not even... It's not just Duck Dynasty. That's the vehicle God used. He would have mm. done it without it. You, you There's wow. an anointing. You speak with wisdom. He is with you. So I just want to affirm you in your call. Okay. Wow. I do this new Thank thing you. this season. Absolutely. I do this new thing this season where I ask people online, if you got to sit down with my guests, what would you ask them? And here's some of the questions people had for you. Oh, I like so this one. Fun. Um, Tomalin underscore Joshua says, what's the best advice you've been given? Oh, what's the best advice I've been given? So this is my best piece of advice I've been given. It was from my great grandmother. Um, she's amazing. Her name is, we call her Memo Joe. She literally calls everyone honey, which is why we named our daughter honey. She's Aww. incredible. Uh, so it holds a lot of significance in my life. Well, one day I came over to her house and I was upset about something someone said to me and I was thinking in my mind, how am I going to come back at this, right? And um, this is a teenage self, like, what's my comeback? What am I going to say, you know? <laughs> and uh, so I asked her like, what should I do? And she looked at me and she said, honey, She said, you're not kind because other people are kind to you. You are kind because that's who you are. And it just stopped me in my tracks because in that moment, like, what I wanted to do was react to what had been done yeah. to me. And I think that's how so many of us go about life. We want to react to what's done to us. But Jesus calls us to something greater than that. Jesus says, hey, if someone slaps you on the cheek, turn around, let them slap the other side. You know, he doesn't say, you know, just have a reaction to what's done to you. He calls you to be who you're called to be. And my great grandma 
said that to me and it's actually carried through even to social media and fame and all these things because when people do comment negative things, the first thing you want to do is clap back. You want to comment back. You want to get angry, but that's not who I am, you know? And so I'm not kind because other people are kind. I'm kind because that's who I am. And that advice has just stuck with me. I loved it. I've gotten so much good advice, but that one is just so special coming from her. This one is from LexLex212. She says, what is it like to be one of the few female evangelists? What would your advice be to young women who want to pursue ministry? It's great. Oh, man, so good. Honestly, um, it's incredible. It feels surreal because I actually grew up in a very traditional background where I didn't even know any woman that spoke in the church. Women did not speak in the church. And so for me to be doing this now is really just a move of God in uh, my own life and uh, really going way ahead of me and me walking into it, following him. Um, I got to say, shout out to the trailblazers like Beth Moore, Jenny Allen, yeah. Christine Kane, Priscilla Shire, these incredible women who have done it before us that have given us in this generation the ability to step into what they paved the way for. And hopefully I can do that for younger people. I would say the best piece of advice I have for you is um, if you want to be an evangelist for Jesus Christ and you're a woman, you don't need a platform to do that. You you start where you're at. And, you know, people see me doing this now. But to be honest, I was leading Bible studies in eighth grade and in my house. And I was doing, you know, them here. And I was dating someone in Alabama and I was doing Bible studies there for the eighth grade and the seventh grade girls. I always was doing this because that's just what I love to do, because I love to preach about Jesus. I was baptizing girls in the bathtub at my house in eighth grade, like literally just love the Lord, you know. And now this past year, I had my first conference and we had 108 girls get baptized. And so my point is I'm doing the same thing I was doing then. And um, I think if God chooses to give you a stage and a platform to do it on, that's amazing. Keep doing it and honor him in it. Humble yourself to exalt his name. But even if he never does, trust that the influence that he's making in your life with the 20, with the 30, with the 50, with the 10 people is just as impactful. if If you had a stage, he doesn't need you to build a stage to bless him. If he wants you to do that, it will happen. But rest in the fact that you're anointed right where you're at. You can evangelize right where you're at. And one day if that elevates, awesome. And even if it doesn't, praise God for it. I love that. Ovimbo asks, her dancing TikToks with her husband are so great. How does she show up on social media as her true self? And what advice does she have for Christians on using social media? I love it. Yeah, that's such a good point. It's kind of what I said earlier. Just show up. Just live. Just breathe. Just be yourself. Don't be a version of yourself that you think is... um, you know, the thing everybody's going to like or the thing everybody's going to repost. Just be you. And gosh, people, like I keep going back to that likable comment, like people would just like you because you're you, you know, people like people when they're just themselves because it's just refreshing. When you see someone authentically being themselves, it just kind of makes you feel at ease. It kind of makes you breathe. And I love the fact that when I'm out in person, people run up to me like they know me because they, (laughs) because they kind of do, you know, because they see me dancing with my husband and they see me, you know, doing goofy things. And I think that's a beautiful thing. And so build relationships online, like you build them in person. Don't fake it, be yourself. Um, I think, you know, there's such a good balance of being a well-rounded person on social media, not just like one type of person. Um, you see, like I post a lot about my belief in Jesus. I 
preach a lot. I do all that. But I'll also post like silly nights with my friends playing cards or I post dancing with my husband. And there's just a lot more to me than just one thing. And I think that that could be good advice for people out there because I think when people want to be influencers, they hone in on this one specific mm-hmm. type of influence, whether it's fashion or whatever. But be a well-rounded person because that's what people begin to like about you. This last one says, not underscore A underscore dentist, says, what is something <laughs> you believed a few years ago that you no longer believe today? Well, I thought that was a good question. question. <laughs> I saved that's it for last. So good. That's so good. To be honest, um, gosh, a couple of things actually come to mind, um, which I think is good because I think that we should, you know, grow constantly be seeking yeah. and growing. I, I, I'm like a huge advocate for always being a learner, always listen and learn um, and grow. You know, a few years ago, I even mentioned growing up in a traditional church background. And um, my view of God was so small. God was in this tiny box. And it was like, and this is what God can do. And this is what God can do. But I didn't know what God could do through me. And I didn't know the power of just having faith and believing God for all the things. And I have to say, when I shattered that box of like what I like the box I put God in and was just like, God, okay, forget it. Like that was such a limit to who you are. Like you just do you and I'm just going to trust you and I want to see you. I have seen God in the craziest ways. I've Mm -hmm. come to love him so much more. I don't think I would be able to do what I'm doing now if I still had the box I put him in. And so what I believe differently now is that I think used to, I probably wouldn't have said this, but I think I put a lot of limits to God. I felt like God had a limit And now I believe God is limitless. God is way bigger than our minds can even ever comprehend. And that's a good thing. I I want to serve a God like that. I want to serve a God who I don't understand because he's that big. Sadie Robertson Huff is a speaker, bestselling author in her latest book, Who Are You Following? Pursuing Jesus in a Social Media Obsessed World. You can get it wherever books are sold. Sadie, I want to end by asking you a question I ask every single person who comes on this show. We're called Viral Jesus for a reason. Virtually all credible historians, Christian and non-Christian alike, agree that there was a man named Jesus that literally lived and walked this earth 2,000 years ago. How can we, 2,000 years later, best communicate who Jesus was and what his mission is for us today? It's great. Oh, gosh. I love this question. I love what y'all are doing, by the way. I think it's incredible. Thank you. I have to say, I mean, I love it. I've done like 20-something podcasts over the past three days, and this is my favorite one. I'm not just saying that. Thank you so I, much. I, I appreciate that. what you're doing. I think it's awesome. I think the best way to do that, it, God says it simply, Jesus commands us to love Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. And so I always say in a practical way, people are freaking out what their purpose is. There's this purpose anxiety. I say your purpose is to love God and to love people. And so to get the message of Jesus out there, you love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and you love your neighbor as yourself. And that's directly from the mouth of Jesus. And it's worked for me. I've seen people come to know Jesus just by the way that I'm loving them. And I think that's uh, the way God would want it to be done by the way that we love. And so that's a challenge to everybody. That'll hold you accountable like no other, that people are going to see Jesus through the way that you love them. That's in First John 4, actually, that you know no one's ever seen God, but we see God through the way that we love each other. And so that's my challenge 2,000 years later, love God and love people. Thanks, Sadie Robertson-Huff, for joining us for this episode.
We like to end every episode with a little segment I call Growing Viral. And this is where I give you some direct strategies you can implement into your real life that will help you be a better communicator and connector both online and off. Here is your Growing Viral homework. I want you to actually take a moment and think about the people you are following online. Research shows our brains synchronize when sharing information. So right now your brain is synchronizing with mine because I am sharing information with you. So when I tell you something about your relationships or your life or your faith on an fMRI scan, our brains would start to mirror each other's. If I tell you right now, you can have hope in even this hopeless situation. The part of my brain that lights up when I'm telling you this starts lighting up in yours. When you scroll through your feed and take in information from random people online, your brain starts to synchronize with theirs. So who are you synchronizing your brain to? Think about who you're following. We are all influencers. We are all making an impact on other people's lives, I promise. You matter, and it's time to start being super intentional about who you are telling your brain to mirror. Deleting people, muting people can be an act of self-care. Viral Jesus was brought to you by Christianity Today. I've been your host and creator, Heather Thompson Day, producer and audio engineer, Lauren Joseph, and executive producer, Ed Gilbreth. Please review and recommend us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and rate us on your preferred platform. Next episode, we talk to best-selling author Jamar Tisby about how to fight racism. See you soon on Viral Jesus.